Have you ever wondered if it's possible to live in sync with your cycle? Do you struggle with a negative mindset around your period? Are you wondering if it's possible to be feminist and anti-birth control? We're going to explore these questions and so much more in the Managing Your Fertility podcast, because this is about helping you live a whole and full life. I'm your host and guide, Bridget Busacker, joining you in this journey of exploration related to women's healthcare, feminism, and fertility awareness. Are you ready? Let's get started. Alex, it's awesome to have you back on the show. Thank you for being with me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me, Bridget. For those who did not catch the last episode that we had Alex on or are hearing this for the first time, Alex is a family nurse practitioner and fertility care practitioner turned stay-at-home mom and homeschooling mom to her four sons. She is passionate about empowering women with knowledge for fertility awareness, joyful encouragement, and the dignity of motherhood. She also has great tips for marriage and family life that way too. So really excited to have you on. You can follow her at Alexandria DeRose, excuse me. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. Let me try that again. You can follow Alex on Instagram at Alexandria DeRose and um, we'll be sure to tag her in the show notes as well. But Alex, really excited to have you back here and talking more specifically in this first part around marriages um, and specifically intimacy inside and outside of the bedroom. You do a great job of talking about marriage, dating tips, um, fertility awareness. I mean, really like all of the things and really centered around building healthy, holy marriages online and on your, on your blog as well. So before we jump into this topic, can you just tell a bit about yourself for those who may be meeting you for the first time and why you're passionate about talking on this topic? Oh, sure. Yes. Thank you so much, Bridget. I know we, I've just loved connecting with you, um, through this world. It's just been awesome. And yeah, so I, so Bridget and I, we met through our blogs and through social media, which has been great. And so I, um, am a wife to Nick. Um, we're both cradle Catholics met on Catholic match 10. We just celebrate our 10 year anniversary, which is great. Um, awesome. And we have four little boys, baby to age eight. Um, and so my background is in the, as in a family nurse practitioner and um, also fertility care practitioner. So teaching NFP with couples. So all my work has really been through my life centered about around relationships and just nurturing, being a nurse and, and all that. So it's kind of, you know, trickled over into my work as a mom and a wife. Um, so just last year before the pandemic hit, when we found out we were pregnant with our fourth son, I made that decision to um, just stay home full time and continue homeschooling and kind of take my resources and knowledge and all that online. And so that's kind of my mission right now. That's so great. I'm so glad that we met online. This has been like one of the most awesome Instagram friendships. Um, it's so fun to have those like born out of Instagram when you hear so much around, like, <laughs> is it worth it or not? And I would say it's worth it. <laughs> and especially with the content that you're sharing is so good. It is so uplifting. Um, and I just want you to like get into a little bit more as we're honing in on the aspect of, of marriage and really dating your spouse, loving your spouse and investing in your marriage. I mean, you're celebrating 10 years. That's a big deal. That's amazing. Congratulations. Oh, thank you, Bridget. Um, just, you know, tell us more like why joyful marriages matter. Why holy marriages matter? Like, why are you passionate uh, around talking about this and sharing tips for those who are following your blog or following you on Instagram? Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's just so many reasons. I think a lot of times we share, first of all, a lot of times we share things that we also need. And I would say a lot of a lot of things that I am passionate about helping other women through are things that I have walked through. And I think just when you have those experiences of having kids at any ages and, and having a marriage yourself, you kind of experience like what, what you 
need and hardships that you walk through and struggles that you walk through and you think, okay, these are things that I figured out and things that have helped me. And I, I want to share that with others. So I think it just comes from that perspective of wanting the best for myself and my, my own family, my own husband and marriage and seeing the, the same, seeing that kind of united, um, those universal struggles, I guess, like the attacks on marriage and family and, and women, how universal they are. And so things that can help me and I feel like can help other women. And so I think that's where my passion there lies. I love that so much. It really is so amazing. I mean, you know, we, we were talking before recording this episode, you know, just thinking about, you know, okay, intimacy, intimacy and marriage is so important. And it's, I think oftentimes when we hear that, we think automatically, oh, sex, foreplay, um, and just in the, in the bedroom or wherever, wherever it might be happening. But really there's just like so much more to that. And really to get to the point of having sex, that intimacy and building that relationship cushion is so important. And I just want you to, to speak more to this and just your wisdom that you share, um, so much of, you know, what are ways that, women, I think, especially from the perspective of a woman, like how can we build up intimacy in our marriage and just building, building up our husbands and building out our relationships. So they're strong. So they're really good, strong foundation that we're really, um, living from. Mm, Oh my gosh, Bridget. It's so good. This is, it's, it's so, so, so good. And it's so necessary. I think, um, some of the things that I think about first, especially as if we're talking about, um, moms for first off, I'll start there is just that reminder that, like marriage comes before motherhood in the sense of like, we really need to be putting in this effort to our marriages um, first, you know, in order to kind of give to other places in our vocation. And I think um, a lot of times what happens in, and even, even if, you know, you're, you're before babies, um, you know, before that whole stages, I think that it's so hard to, (laughs) without intentionally putting in effort for that, that, that all topics surrounding intimacy, which is what you're talking about. It's so hard to feel secure, like pouring into any parts of our vocation. Does that make sense? So I Mm -hmm. think it's just that, that point of intention that it has to be. So we really have to make like an intentional effort because it doesn't come. It, it doesn't in the world that we live in, right. In like any type of society, these types of things we're fostering our relationships around intimacy. It's, it's something that doesn't just come natural. You know, you don't just like say I do. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to always be feeling a certain way. It's something that you really have to kind of intentionally work on through each stage. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It's reminding me that how much you've talked about, you know, you learning your spouse. I remember specifically, uh, we we've chatted about this and you had also shared online that you, um, had an experience where I think it was, I think you had said you had gone to confession and you were encouraged to actually learn your spouse. And you went to like a bookstore and you were picking up different books related to marriage and relationships. And you were realizing like, Oh, I need to learn my spouse. So maybe you could just share a little bit more about that experience and like why and how that's helped you in your marriage. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I remember that so well. And I think it's, it starts out first of all, with just like these expectations that we have like going into any relationship and things that pull you together in the beginning are great. And a lot of times it's, you know, things that are opposite about you, you know, say opposites attract and things like that about your, each of your personalities. And so you, you kind of start, you know, you start from this one square spot. And then as your relationship builds, there's so much depth to the human person that 
you have these maybe expectations that you're like overseeing instead of like really getting to, um, you know, really getting to understand, understand the person. And what can happen is kind of those, when those expectations aren't met, they can kind of build up in like resentment and misunderstanding as opposed to understanding. And so I remember in probably year, gosh, I think that might've been like year three or four of marriage. And we had two little kids kind of like where you are right now with your two little kids and which I always tell people. And I know I've told you this before off, off um, recording that it's like, that's one of, I think the toughest stages um, in marriage and motherhood, because it's just, things are still so new and, and you're navigating so many new, new nuances about each other. And um, so I was felt like I was almost at like a wit's end. Like, what am I doing wrong? Why am I, why am I like, I'm never going to give up on my marriage. I'm never going to give up on, on my husband, but like, what's wrong with me basically. <laughs> and um, so, you know, like anything in life, I always, always turn to the faith and always, you know, go to the sacraments for healing and, and for direction. And so I found myself with this priest in spiritual direction and, you know, I'm going on and on and he just hands me a book and he's like, Alex, take a breath and read this book and start here. You know, nothing's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with him. You just need to come to a, a new point of understanding. Um, and so that kind of led me down to a whole path of personality and temperaments and um, also, which also plays into part with intimacy too, because you're, you're understanding the person. I love this because I think this is something that we don't often hear and we're not often seeing online and, you know, we're, we're often seeing the celebratory posts, but mm -hmm. we're not really seeing, you know, a little more, uh, the tips are like the step-by-step -step or experiences that are a little more raw to say, like, I was in this place and mm -hmm. this is where I had to start. And, and now I'm here, you know, and, and to see that, I think there's so much hope in that. I think for anybody listening who may be like, wow, I'm at that point of wit's end, or I'm like, well, okay. I, I think probably I should learn my spouse. I never even thought about it. I mean, I think that was something for, you know, just speaking personally, I think I'm really finding that now being, being in where we've like celebrated five years, we have two little kids and it's like, wow, this is hard work. We are in the trenches and right. I want to like, make sure our marriage is a priority. Like, how do I learn you and understand who you are in this new space altogether, you know, in these new roles. And I think, you know, even if you're, you know, you don't have kids when you're first married, you're in new roles together, you're forming new attachments, you're learning about each other. And it's so important to actually figure out like, okay, what does that look like? And, and where to start? Um, oh do, you, do you have like a recommendation for someone listening? That's like, okay, where would I, I don't know, where would I start? Where would I go? Do you have like a go-to where you're like, do the temperaments or learn love languages or something that someone could just have that, that first step? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to that, like, like you said, um, I'll definitely have, I, I can definitely link up a blog post of, of specific books. Um, but I, I'm a huge fan of the temperaments, a huge fan. And the book, um, the temperament that God gave your spouse specifically for marriages, I think is so awesome because there's basically four main temperaments. And so, um, you, the book actually breaks down. Okay. If you are this one married, married to this one, these are things that you might run into in your relationship and you're reading it and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is me and David. Oh my gosh, this is me. And like, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> I'm realizing like, we just did the temperament God gave you, but I think that's next, uh, yeah. next for us to do because it is yeah. like, it's so powerful to learn yourself. I mean, I'm still having moments where I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, this is how I receive love. This is how I would give love. Like, this is how I respond right. to situations. And it's like, I'm, you know, I think when you sometimes 
sometimes have that experience of, of learning the temperaments, it's kind of overwhelming in a good way. Cause you're just like, wow, I feel like I'm really understanding myself. And mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, now I'm married to someone else. Now it's, I need to be understanding them too. Right. Abs- right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, the temperament God gave your spouse, I would say is, is a great place to start for these marriages and relationships because you, you will, you will feel, um, a lot less isolated in your own head and you'll, you'll feel this like, Oh, okay. I'm not alone in this. There's, you know, someone's understanding what I'm going through (laughs) and there's kind of those practical tips there and kind of what you were saying earlier, Bridget, just about intimacy overall. I mean, this is why, like, I know you, you know, we talk about that of the intimacy in and out of the bedroom, because when you understand, you know, you can't, you're not going to all of a sudden understand somebody in the bedroom without, it needs to go both ways. And so Mm -hmm. understanding them outside just as a whole holistic person in marriage, um, is so fruitful for your intimate relationship as well. Yeah, that's so true. And it's really segueing well into this um, next next ask that I have of you around date nights. I mean, you talk about this and encourage yeah. people and you do polls online um, and you have blog posts. And I love it because yes. it has really helped encourage me to stick with it. Um, it's oh. something that was like we... Um, I, you know, honestly, I think we were worse at it when we were first married without kids because it was like, well, we don't have kids or around each other and being around each other is not the same thing as actually having a date night. Um, right. so <laughs> maybe you can speak, well, obviously not, maybe you totally can speak more to this and just sharing more of like why you are so passionate about this. Oh my gosh. I, I, yes. I really, I really am so passionate about this because like, like I said earlier, something that helps you is what you want to share with others. And I know that date nights have been almost like a lifeline in our marriage, like truly, truly, truly. And it it's also goes back to your temperament too, because when you find out, okay, I'm, I'm an extroverted sanguine. So I know that I'm, you know, have high outside social needs, but that doesn't have play any part into what temperament you are, whatever date nights are just so essential to me. I think no matter if you're extroverted, introverted, and you feel like you're more of a homebody, I think that I, that, having that set apart time where you are specifically and intentionally like focused on each other in a way that's out of your normal routine. It just allows for more deeper on opportunities and intimacy that just doesn't happen when you're in the daily grind and we're, and specifically when you're in home, when you're at home, I mean, there's something just about changing the environment that allows you to, you know, connect in a different way. And, um, you know, when you kind of like study good marriages, I mean, people constantly will say, you know, making date nights, making each other, having fun with each other, that that was always a priority. And it's just, it's kind of one of the things you can't argue with. It's, it's really so essential to just make time for each other. And, and I try to be really sensitive of, you know, there are certain seasons and there are many different excuses that you can have, but when it comes down to it, there's usually a way that a couple can find, find a way to make it happen. Um, if it's something that you really desire. Um, and so I just would, I just would love for every couple to just really, really be intentional about trying as hard as they can to get as many date nights in as possible. I mean, honestly, once a week, is like a goal to such a great goal to set. And it sounds so often, but, you know, start with maybe once a month and try mm-hmm. to just have that one month, once a month where it's written on the calendar. And, um, you know, there's, there's something about that kind of like we talk about in our fertility cycles where, you know, we know things are, are coming for each other. There's something, you know, 
great about prep preparing for each other and just having that on the calendar where you can just look forward to it. Um, and it just really just brings out. So, I mean, I could go on and on. It just brings out so much fruit from your marriage. And especially when you have kids, I think it's just so essential to have time with your spouse, um, away from your kids. And, and like I said, this doesn't have to be super expensive and super fancy. You know, you actually don't even have to spend money when you're on the date night, you can just go to a park and walk around and maybe just buy like a $2 tea or something, you know, um, for me, the, the, the idea of a date night is just going out somewhere with your spouse where it's just you guys having, having time together. And it can be even one hour, two hours, a breakfast date, a lunch date, a weekend date. Everyone has different schedules. There's no, like, this has to be every Friday at 7 PM. You know, there, there, there's no right or wrong way of going about it. It's just making that intentional time for each other in a way that works for you in your season and in your, in your own personal situation. I love it. it. This is so good because I think it's something that a lot of times the excuses can come up more so than I think, um, legitimate, uh, limitations, honestly, when it comes to dating your spouse, mm-hmm. um, what does it look like for you guys um, more on the, like the logistics side for planning a date? Like, do you guys rotate who schedules it? Um, like at what you're the activity that you're going to do, or do you guys just kind of agree together or do you have like a go-to spot that you go to just to give some ideas for people who are listening who are just like, Oh, I don't want to go on Pinterest and look, or they're like, I don't want to read oh, anything else. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I know. And it's so true. And I mean, for us, it's so, I mean, you know, we have, we have 10 years of experiences and gosh, I really don't think, I would have to ask Nick and see see if he thinks I'm exaggerating or not. But I, I really doubt that there's been like an entire month where we have not had a date night in our in our marriage. We have always made it work, always found a different way. But it's like you said, all these examples, it's it's always looked different. I mean, there's been times where I think I was telling you this uh, one time, Bridget, where it was literally like we were so busy with kids and schedules. And so I would be like, we would just be emailing each other like, okay, is this where we're going to go tonight? You know, (laughs) and that was our form of communication of figuring it out because there are seasons where you just feel like, you know, you are passing ships and you're just, you don't have that chance of just sitting down, having deep conversation. Um, And so to answer your question, it's looked different in different seasons. It really has. Um, Sometimes in the beginning of dating and marriage, I would say, you know, Nick would, um, pick different places to kind of more like surprise me. Um, and then, then it would rotate, then it would, then, then, you know, when we had kids and then as I became a stay-at-home mom, then maybe it would be more fun for me to like pick a place or a time. Um, and to be honest, our go-to is just a dinner date. So that's our, that's our go-to is like just having a dinner, um, with just me and him. And, you know, maybe having a drink, that's probably our favorite right now. We have a local spot where our past, I would say our past, like three to five times we've gone to the same restaurant, which is like five minutes away. Um, and we just get a glass of wine. You know, he, he gets maybe a, a, a dinner plate and we just have two hours where it's just us sitting down and it's amazing. It's just, it's absolutely that's amazing. Awesome. So, that's awesome. Yeah. It's so amazing. And yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely times where it can be more of an activity or, We've done that sometimes, um, you know, gone to movies together. Um, But in this season of just these little, you know, having these little kids and just craziness with family life, honestly, the 90% of our dates are just having dinner and drinks together. Um, That, yeah, that's, that's kind of our go-to. 
I love that. What do you recommend for somebody who's, who's thinking, you know, I can't get a sitter or we're going to have to be at home for our dates. Like, you know, cause you're saying, you know, how, how good it is to get out. And I would actually agree with that. I mean, the times that we've been home, it's been harder to be more intentional yeah. just because yeah. there are the distractions where you're seeing like, oh yeah, we've got to like respond to those, you know, letters we got in the mail or those bills or like, oh yeah, that's right. Like the, you know, hearing the kids or you hear somebody cough or something, you know, and it's just like, right, right. okay, what was that? And so as much as like, I want to say, yeah, you can do it at home. I think like there is that element, like, you know, maybe, like you said, like, okay, once a month, like get out of the house, but you know, maybe you can speak to that too. Just those different seasons of someone's like, I can't do a sitter every week or I can't, I don't think we can get out. Like how to just get creative and thinking about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, there's, it's such a, it, it can definitely be like a sensitive topic because there's so many other factors, you know, like childcare and, and finances and scheduling. So there, there are a lot of things. And I mean, I'm speaking to, you know, personal experience of what has worked I know for me, and like I said, it goes back to the temperament of why I'm so passionate about getting out because I know the fruits that that's had for me. Um, and, and I do think that that's, there's something to say about that. Um, but if you really, if you really, you know, first of all, I would just say also to try really hard to look for a sitter, you know, talk to your spouse about how that can look for you guys, like what you're both, what you both desire in that. Um, and use the resources available to us, like in the modern age. I mean, the internet and online, there's ways that you can still, um, uh, what, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, not boundaries. Sorry, I'm trying to think of this word um, in, in a basically a safe way. I mean, there are, you know, care.com, there's ways that you can filter and you can pay for a subscription. So, you know, you know, people that you're interviewing, you know, my point is saying that there's tools out there where you can find good, good babysitters, like looking um, in different homeschool groups in your area or college colleges, word of mouth, moms groups, like using online moms, Facebook groups. Um, there's just a lot of tools out there of looking for sitters. I think sometimes when I've talked to women, it's almost like they've tried a little bit and then they're have given up too quickly. So um so I think that that's something, and you can always reach out to me too for ideas and help on that. Um, so that's something that I, that I would definitely start with and just not, not give up on um, because, you know, there's people willing to help you, I think. Um, and then, you know, getting creative with even different things in your area. Sometimes there's like parents nights out at like YMCA's where you can use um, gym, gym child cares um, and, sometimes like church festivals, like there's a lot of thing people out there that are willing to help, um, to get creative. Um, and you know, it's kind of like last resort, if you have to be at home, you know, um, you, you are, if you're married, you know, if you're in the relationship, like you, you have the freedom of saying, putting it on the date on the calendar and saying, you know what, tonight's going to be different. And tonight is going to be, yeah, we're, we don't have a babysitter or we really can't go out of our house, but you have the freedom of making it a special date night and still going upstairs and still putting on like a different type of dress and, um, you know, still dimming your lights, putting on candles. Um, even if, you know, you have to do it later if the kids have to go to sleep. Um, but you can, you can absolutely make a romantic date in your own house and, you know, really spice it up and really make it different than just your normal, you know, Netflix on the couch. Um, you know, you, you, there's absolutely, you have the complete freedom to do that and make it this like fun date night. You know, I mean, how, how often do we like 
ever dance in the kitchen with our spouse, you know, like, <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's true. You know, and, and, but you know, if you're married and you can do that, it's kind of that just mindset shift of like, wait, you know, I can do this. It just requires a little bit more planning and a little bit more, um, intention specifically from the woman, I think, you know, to, for us, it has to be something that we really desire and want to do. And instead of, you know, getting resentful, Oh, I can't go out. I don't have a sitter saying, okay, you know what, this is what I can do. And you know, what are my options? Okay. Well, maybe I can put on some fun music and still get dressed up in my own kitchen. So, um, I would say, you know, there's, there's definitely creative ways you can do that. I love all the examples you give. And, and as you're talking to just noting this idea, I think for, um, for women, it's not an idea. I mean, I think it's, it's a frame of mind that we can sometimes get stuck in, you know, where it's like, well, if it can't be this way, then it's not going to work at all. Like it, if it has, you know, and I, I know that's not only specific to women. Um, but I think that can be a challenge and really segues well into this, this next area that we wanted to get into with around sex, you know, just getting, I think, um, stuck into a, a mindset or a narrative that we've heard or that we've told ourselves, you know, it's, there's only one way to do something and it can only be that way. And if it, and if it doesn't pan out or if it doesn't work that way, then it doesn't work at all. Um, and I know something, an aspect to this, and I want to be sensitive because I'm talking about healthy relationships where, you know, there aren't issues of, of use or abuse, but in, in the context of sex, um, you know, we've just, seen and I think heard a lot of times as women that husbands, they just want to get laid or <laughs> all they want to do is be physical. And there's no, um, there's no conversation around, um, you know, where does that stem from? Where, where do these narratives come from that this idea that my spouse, you know, just doesn't care about me and just cares about my body. Um, and I think we tend, um, I think we tend to hear that. And there's an aspect of turning off and turning off and turning away from our spouse. And we have been chatting about this, you know, like what if it's a mindset shift, you know, because I think there's the common things around like, okay, I'm tired or I, you know, if I have kids, I've had a lot of physical touch already, or um, I, there are other things I need to work on or, you know, all these other activities that we think of and sex is like the dessert or the thing that we do when everything else is in order, instead of realizing sex is an integral part of our relationship and our marriage. Um, and just to, to see how these narratives can come out. And I think some of it just has to do with, you know, how over-sexualized we are in our culture. We're not really talking about sex, like in a real and authentic way. We're just talking about, you know, aspects of it. Um, and I don't mean to get totally long-winded about this, but I think just to lay the, the groundwork, um, you know, how, how, and how can we approach this? And if we did approach it in a different way and change the narrative to say, instead of, oh, he just wants to like, be physical. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't see me. What if he does? And what if it's a, a shift that we can make as women to say, you know, my husband really wants to love me in this way and be close to me. Can I receive that? Can I receive him instead of, instead of immediately, you know, shutting down. And I get, again, there, there could be, you know, we're talking about, you know, pretty healthy functioning relationships. And I get these aspects of mindset shifts and narratives can really come from, um, our own wounds. But I think there's something to be said, you know, just to bring it to light as part of the conversation, you know, what if it's changing the narratives that we're hearing or the, the scripts that we have running in our heads to actually connect with our spouses in a different way? That's super long-winded, but I know like, <laughs> I know you, you have a lot to say on this too, but I just want to, you know, give the framework to that because I think it's, it's huge. 
Oh, it's so big. Oh my gosh. It's so big, Bridget. And honestly, just, just even in my own marriage and, and even, um, training and relationship in the fertility awareness and like NFP, um, you know, world there, it's been really eye-opening, just learning and understanding, um, the differences, the differences in all of those areas with men and women. And like you said, what happens is, you know, the culture takes something good and just completely twists it. And, um, and, and then confuses us in our marriages, mm-hmm. you know, because, um, you know, you know, intimacy and like sexual union. I mean, that's like the, one of the biggest gifts of our marriage. And when you study, you know, our faith and you study the understanding, like, I know you love the theology of the body as well. Like when we, when we study these things, you know, we see how beautiful and absolutely holy it is. And any type of just confusion around that is just, it's, it's completely, you know, not, not of God trying to confuse us and pit us, pit men and women against each other within marriage when it has to do with sex and intimacy. Um, I think it's just somewhere to start with that awareness, right. Of just that that's, that's kind of like the bigger picture of what's going on. Um, and what I've learned through my own experience and just understanding this, it really is so much more simpler, simpler than we women make things. Cause we know like women, we just love, it's the way our brains work. We're very, we're so much more complicated and, and intricate and emotional. We have so many other areas and gifts that God has given our feminine genius to kind of be able to, to pick up on and, and help others with. And, you know, the male genius, the man's is amazing in its own way, but it's not as it, it, it's, it's completely wired differently, right? Like, have you heard yeah. the spaghetti and, and waffles analogy? <laughs> Okay, so I mean, I, I, I only I only laugh yeah. because I remember my aunt telling me that when I was like fourteen, and I was yeah. like, "What is she talking about? She's crazy!" And it has stuck with me for my like until now. Like it just right, it's right. because I see right. it play out, and I'm like, "She wasn't wrong. She right. wasn't crazy." Right. So what it is for somebody who who isn't familiar with me, Bridget, it's basically you know this analogy that you know women's uh, brains are like spaghetti, and we're all over, and we have different connections, and we're connecting this to this, and we're constantly thinking of this, this, uh, this pathway goes with this pathway. And we have, you know, like 20 browsers open on our computer screens, you know, and a man's brain is like waffle. Like it's going in one direction. It's thinking about one thing, you know, when he's sitting on the couch watching a show and you're asking him, well, what else are you thinking about? He's like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm watching the movie. That's what I'm thinking about. (laughs) And you're like, well, wait a minute. You're not thinking about this and this and this and this and this. And he's like, no, you know? And so I think the reason I bring that up is because when you said, oh man, just wants to get laid. And it's like, Okay, so let's kind of unpack that. Like, no, your husband doesn't want to use you, doesn't want you just you for sex, you know. But is he maybe like thinking about this one thing and we're thinking about a million other things? Okay, that could be true. But there's a there's a there's a truth in that that's you know a beautiful truth in that our husband desires us in this way. Um, and so the practical, simplistic ways that I would would love for women to understand is just understanding that difference and that, you know, there's there's that great desire for our husband to love us in that beautiful physical way. Um, same as like with us in this, you know, emotional way. Um, and I hope that this is making sense that you're following this for people who are listening. And what I found is, you know, the more we can study the differences between men and women, we can learn to appreciate them. Just coming back to that earlier yeah. in the conversation, Bridget, when you were saying, you know, you know, understanding your spouse and getting to know your spouse, you know, really having these number one, just having these conversations with your husband and just really like talking to him about it. And, you know, and, and hearing from him, sometimes we just need to hear as a woman him say, you know, well, 
of course I want to be with you. Not in the way that you said, like, yeah, I just want to get laid. No, yeah, I, right. I want to love you. This is what I desire with you. And then all of a sudden our ears are perked up and we're like, oh, oh, that's okay. Now, now I'm understanding, you know, what it, what it, what this is. And it's a, you know, a beautiful desire, a beautiful desire, the most beautiful desire really in marriage. And so sometimes it's starting with like that verbal conversation with you and your husband and, and just really seeking to understand what, what his needs are. And, um, you know, when it comes to sex and intimacy and understanding that about each other, and then becoming aware, this is, I think one of the keys of marriage too, is as women, um, when it comes to, to sex and intimacy of, you know, understanding the way that our emotions play into this and allowing ourselves to prepare ourselves emotionally for our husbands. Um, and you know, not that that can like always, always, always happen, but I think that there's a lot of great, um, a lot of great, you know, even, you know, research and understanding love and respect. There's a great book about that. Actually, the love and respect by Dr. Emmerich. Emmerich. Have you read that one, Bridget? No, I haven't, but I'm adding it to the list. Yeah. Love and respect is is a really good one. Um, Yes. I can share that with you guys. It's a really, that's a really great book, but just understanding that those, those differences and, um, like I said, the whole spaghetti brain and how emotional we are. And so sometimes it does take us um, to, you know, emotionally kind of get, get ourselves, you know, prepared sometimes and, and, you know, for our husbands in that way. Mm -hmm. And that that's not, and that that's not a bad thing at all. It's a beautiful thing actually. Um, And an intentional thing and a thing that, that God has designed for men and women to be so different in this area that we can come together in a beautiful way and kind of like help each other, um, help each other connect in those differences. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, gosh, it's just so true how you laid the foundation for like, where, where does this come from? You know, first and foremost, you know, like the, the attack we have on marriage, but then to really get into the practicals too, to understand like, okay, we think differently and to acknowledge that that's not a bad thing. I think it's like easy for us to think like, that's, that's a bad thing that we, it would just be so much easier if we just all thought the same, like that would be terrible. Like we're, we're here to like be each other's, you know, we're, we're helpmates. We're here to be walking together and journeying together in this and to be challenging each other to grow. Um, and, and I think that's the beauty of it. That's, you know, some of the aspects, you know, that are so beautiful about marriage. Um, and I think, especially thinking as you were talking, you know, just being receptive to our husband's love, you know, again, we're kind of focusing on this podcast around like, you know, specifically for women, you know, how can we be receptive to our husband's love and to be open to that? And what you said about, you know, taking that time to prepare is not a bad thing. You know, it's actually a really good thing. It's a, it's a gift to be able to do that. And, you know, do we actually do that? You know, do, do we take the time to be intentional and to prepare, you know, and to recognize, okay, you know, you know, for some, for some listening, they may be like, oh, it doesn't take me that long to prepare. I'm ready ready to go. This is going to be awesome. Like I, I, you know, and that's great. And I think for others, you may be hearing it going, yeah, I definitely probably should prepare. So I don't feel like I'm surprised every time it's like, oh, hey, you know, you know, if you're using a fertility awareness <laughs> method, you might be going like, okay, tonight's tonight's a, tonight looks like a great night and this would be great. And this would be great to connect. Um, I remember sometimes feeling in the process of, you know, charting where there were moments where it was like, oh man, this is like the green light or like we could have sex tonight, but there's so many other things I could do. And it was, it really challenged me to be intentional and have to choose and say, okay, well, do I choose my spouse or all the other things I want to get done? Like what's mm-hmm. going on here? And it's, um, 
I think it's just indicative of how easily the devil tries to get into our marriages and really pull us apart. We both heard a quote and we heard it from different people and we were both like, Oh my gosh, did you hear this? Um, yes. I had someone had told this to me when I was engaged and she was like, a she was mentoring me honestly in my engagement and just like kind of helping me. Like I, I was, she was there to answer questions for me and just help me prepare was really amazing. And she had said, the devil will do everything he can to bring you together when you're dating. And he will do everything he can to tear you apart physically, talking about physically when you're married. And hearing that, I was like, she crazy. <laughs> this isn't real. And now being married and having you remind me of that quote when you had, when we were texting, I was like, oh, that's so real. There have been so many times where I'm like, why did I feel like I was like so much more like physically in, like attracted or like wanted, you know, not having sex, but like so desirous of David, like engaged or dating. But like when we're married, I struggle with it. You know, I'm just going to be totally honest. Like it's, there are so many other demands and it's easy to just kind of see your spouse as like your roommate, honestly, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, yeah, I, I know Bridget, I cannot believe that that quote was, was so, so powerful. Yeah. The devil can do, will do everything he can to, and, and I even heard it in the way of, um, the devil will do everything before you're married to get you in the bedroom. And then the devil will do everything when you're married to get you out, you know, mm-hmm. which is, just write what you're saying, just, you know, trying to, to twist once again, like twist the most, one of the most beautiful gifts of sex that, you know, can happen. And, um, and yeah, I think that it's just, it's such a reality. I just, and I appreciate you being just so open and vulnerable here. I think it's something that is just really not talked about and people in marriages are really suffering alone with this and Mm -hmm. no one's really talking about, you know, what's, what's normal? Like what's, what's going on? What's normal here? And yeah. yeah, And I think that just being, being, having a friend or having somebody that you can, can talk to um, as a woman through this in in a healthy way, I think is so valid and, and, and helpful and specifically talking to your spouse about it and just being honest and being like, okay, let's try to troubleshoot here. Like why, why is our intimacy so low or non-existent, maybe in the stage of little kids. Okay. That's really normal, right? (laughs) Um, For that to happen just because you can feel so exhausted and tired. And as, as women, we were saying earlier, you know, that that's really hard for us to prioritize, you know, intimacy in the same way as, as our husbands. It's just the Mm -hmm. way that we are, are differently created. And so um, it's something that we really need to be intentional on and really need to, you know, understand, have that awareness and understanding of more. And, um, and I think that, um, that's why another reason why date nights are so important for women, because it's that it's getting our, our mindset and our emotions in a different atmosphere where we can kind of enter into a new conversation with our husband and kind of get on that same page and, can kind of foster intimacy in the bedroom even more, you know? Yeah, totally. It's also getting me thinking, you know, like what, what for women, like, what is it that makes you feel beautiful or like that makes you, you know, feel beautiful, feel good that, you know, your spouse also acknowledges, like maybe there's something, you know, that he really enjoys. Like if you wear perfume or something like that, there's nothing wrong with showing up for our spouse and doing something for our spouse. I think there's so much around, um, the narrative for women today and some aspects of feminism that are just so toxic and thinking that, you know, it's not okay to do that. It's not okay to love your spouse, to, to think about, you know, 
How do I receive my husband's love? How do I give that love? The vulnerability. I mean, honestly, it's like an attack on vulnerability in marriages and how important that's like essential to have a relationship. You need to be vulnerable. That's an area where, you know, a lot of times you realize I'm like, whoa, marriage is so much more than just being physically naked. I mean, it's spiritually and emotionally naked in front of your spouse and to be willing to be vulnerable in that way. I think it just really challenges this um, idea of I'm my own woman. I do it all myself. And I don't need to show up for you. And so like, so what, then your spouse is just there to be there for you when you need, when you need them or you want to use them. I mean, like, you know, it really starts to pull at, you know, where do these, these ways of thinking and these narratives that we have are Mm -hmm. actually detrimental to who, who we are as women and as, as a couple and as a wife. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just say that because I think about my, my grandma, um, uh, my, my mom and my aunt one time, I, I didn't have. I didn't have any makeup on. I've been kind of running around cleaning our apartment. We were probably like in their first or second year of marriage. And they, my mom and my aunt were over and they were, and I was like, Oh, David's going to be home soon. And they were like, well, are you going to put on makeup or anything? And, and it wasn't out of this vanity. They were just like, I was like, what? He doesn't like care if I have makeup on or not. Like, but no, but like, I mean, he always kind of oogles over you when you, when you wear, you know, when you look beautiful and he knows like you're dressed up, you're excited, you, you get your energy. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. And I, I hadn't really thought about it. I kind of was like, Psh, that's ridiculous. But my, my mom and my aunt had shared a story that my grandma um, would always put on lipstick before my grandpa came home. She'd be like, oh, oh, your dad's coming home. And she would like put on some lipstick and just kind of like make sure she looked good and was like ready to go. And I first when I heard it, I was like, that is so backwards and silly. Like he doesn't love her for like her lipstick or whatever. Like, why is she doing that? And the more that I, I think I'm, you know, just married and in the trenches and with little kids and and thinking about that more and more just the value of feeling beautiful does make a difference whether it's makeup or not you don't have to be a makeup person but maybe it's that you know you you dress and it makes you feel good you know it's the worthy of wearing movement that's challenging us to like wear what's in our closet and feel beautiful for ourselves but also like it's okay to get dressed up for your spouse too and um you know it's like I don't have a perfect answer with it by any means but I think just challenging those ways of thinking you know there, there's a freedom, I think, when we acknowledge that and, and we decide that we're going to show up for ourselves and also for our spouse. Oh, absolutely. I love what you said, Bridget. It's so true. It's so true. And, and it's also like not, it, it's, the, it's not so hard. Like sometimes we can get so defeated in our marriages when it, when it comes to, you know, intimacy and sex and our marriages and, and all of these things. And really it can be as, you know, God can redeem everything so, so much through his grace. And it can be as simple as like what your grandma said and like just making that decision to put our spouse first and do it out of love for him and say, you know what, I'm not feeling amazing, but I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to get dressed nice. And I'm going to think about him and, you know, plan a date night or something simple that that is possible that we were able to do. And then it yes. really just like changes and it just changes everything. I mean, I know that those times where I choose, choose to like show up for him and choose to think about him and his needs and, you know, what understanding him more, it's always, it's always better for a relationship. It's always better for a marriage. Right. And it doesn't have to be like this um, huge thing that we need to you know, completely, we're completely failing and that's it. You know, we need to just do something drastic. It can really be in those little things. Like you said, you know, just little putting on lipstick or, you know, 
planning one date night, like something small that you can do that can, or just deciding tonight, Hey, you know what? I'm actually going to initiate something in the bedroom tonight. Like when was the last time I did that for my husband, you know? Um, yeah. and, and, and thinking about those small things that can make such a difference. And, and so I love that, that example with you said with your, with your grandma, that's awesome. Yeah. And I should clarify too, not, we're not just doing this. So it's like, okay. So then like to always lead to sex, it's really just about you know, there are aspects to that, of course, of like a, a part of what we were saying, of like preparing and just like getting in the mindset and, you know, getting dressed up, whatever it might be that makes you feel beautiful. And there's also that element that it's just helpful and, and good to do for your marriage, regardless if you're going to have sex or not, just to like show up for your spouse, go Absolutely. like, take that extra step and, and, and do it, be willing to be vulnerable to show up for your spouse. Um, because I think it's oftentimes we're waiting for the other person to do something. I think that's like a tendency that we can have when it's like, no, we, we each have to be proactively doing something because if we're not, things aren't going to happen. And like you said, it's not like, you know, oh, everything's falling apart. It's not working. Okay. It's, it's all terrible and, and horrible. It's like, just do one small thing that yes. is so much better than nothing. I mean, we say that with everything else, you know, like whether you're, you know, getting into habits of working out or going, you know, back to work postpartum or you're learning how to be a mom or you're a student and you're just starting out in college, like whatever it is, we always say like, just take one step. And mm-hmm. we need to apply that same um, advice really to our marriages. Like just take one step, like don't stop trying because Absolutely. that's, that's where the power is. Absolutely. It's so, so, so true. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. And there's, there's so many small things you can start with. I, I remember one of the tips I was talking about recently um, was, and I think this might've been on a, on an anniversary post or something, which is making sure that you're kissing every single day. And it's when I, when I looked back, oh, I think I was talking about a 10 year anniversary and I look back and think, wow, you know, how, how, how ashamed I've been to think that there's been days in my marriage where I don't think that I kissed my own husband and my gosh, like, I, I don't ever want that to be the case. You know, like mm-hmm. here's this man who we're, we're, to, we're pledging our love for each other. And, you know, we want it. I, I want to make sure I'm kissing him every single day. <laughs> and yeah. of course, not that, not that we're going to be, that that's going to lead to to sex right away. You know, it's like, no, doing it out of love for him. Like you said, it's despite, despite that it's doing, making this act of, of, of tender love and, um, an intention. And so that's something like we can do, you know, as, as women and something sounds small, but like, how big is that? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the small things that really add up. It really is. And it can sound so cheesy to hear that, but it's so true. And it's in those small moments where we choose, choose to love that we see the biggest impact. Like that can be the moment that like changes the course of the evening and just seeing like, wow, you have a really great conversation, you know, in the evening because you chose to show up for your spouse and you end up having like a really beautiful conversation or time together, or you share drinks on the, on the, you know, deck, or you sit outside and watch the stars or whatever it is just to take that time or that moment to kiss your spouse, whatever it is to just acknowledge them and to choose them. I mean, cause this is really about choosing our spouses, you know, whether it's in or outside of the bedroom to build that intimacy, because it's not something that just happens. It's not like, you know, the Hallmark movies, as much as I love Hallmark, you know, there, there's so much lacking in really seeing like the choice that you have to make to love. And we don't see the happily ever after in the movies. We see the lead up, you know, dating and engaged and it's so beautiful, but we never see the in and out of the work because I think in some ways 
you know, I think we have this idea like, oh, it's not going to be beautiful. It's just like the same old life. But isn't it G.K. Chesterton that says the most beautiful thing in the world is an ordinary man and his, or- and his ordinary wife and their ordinary family and their ordinary love or something to that effect? Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Absolutely. Yes. Love that quote so much. It's so true. It's just, I think it's something that we have to, um, we have to remember, I think in the world of glitz and glam online and wanting to see, um, I think the fight we, you know, we hear about and we see, especially in like movies and, and culture of, um, really pop culture, you know, where it's, it's all fireworks and constant emotion that it's, it's really in the everyday. It's in the ordinary and the ordinary is so good that there's actually so much fruit in those spaces when we choose to lean in. Mm. Oh my gosh. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that so much. I remember a quote. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I don't know if you're going to say this. is is No, go ahead. Go ahead. But okay. Cause it's like that, but it says, um, was saying that like sex starts in the kitchen, meaning like it's in the ordinary kitchen. Like you're, you're cleaning up the dinner dishes together. And like, that's where those little things, like those little ways that you're doing things in the kitchen together when there's kids all around, like that's what builds the fruit of a marriage and the fruit of, you know, each other and, and, you know, sparks that romance in and out of the bedroom. Right. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're just like waiting for like the perfect moment in the bedroom, it's it's not going to happen. It might, it might happen. I know we, I know we both, you had sent an article to me. We were both like, wow, this is so good. And I can link it, you know, just like how often should you be having sex? And it was um, really just talking about how like the idea of like you are, you and your spouse are going to perfectly align and you're going to like always want to have sex. Like it's actually going to be pretty slim to none. Like one of you, there's going to be the give and take where you're going to say like, oh, I wasn't really thinking about that, but like, I'm going to be open to it or like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, wasn't thinking about that at all. And, you know, someone might hear that maybe who's engaged and they're like, that's so sad. It's not sad. It's recognizing like the reality of, of how life can just go by. You can be ships in the night, but if you're choosing each other and you're choosing that intentionality and being receptive to each other's love and honestly receptive to each other's advances in love. Like that, that's where the magic happens. That's where you grow and, and it becomes a, it it can become a really beautiful love and a beautiful relationship because you're leaning into the vulnerability and the receptivity. That's so pivotal. That's life-changing really. Oh, absolutely. It's, you're so right. And you and I both know, like, this is possible. This is, it's so possible. Um, And yeah, and it's, it's, it's there and it's what God desires for like for every single one of our marriages. So that's, that's really, I think just hopeful. Totally. This is so good. I could keep going, but I realized too, I'm like, all right, this is why we're doing a part two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this has been so good just to really get into this and just Alex to have you on and sharing more of your wisdom and, and truly your wisdom, like 10 years of marriage is huge. And just to be able to have you on and talking about the different aspects that you've learned and the really the glory stories of your marriage and just being in the trenches and learning your spouse and sharing date night tips and just talking honestly about, you know, how do we, how do we give and receive love in our relationship? These are powerful topics. These are powerful aspects of our marriage that we need to be talking about. And and I'm so grateful you are online in these spaces doing it and, and helping other women to see the joy and the hope in building holy, healthy, joyful marriages. So thank you so much for being on and, and sharing your wisdom with us and just sharing your heart. It's been so great. Oh my gosh, Bridget. Thank you so much. Thank you. I I just love the work that you're doing as well. It's just, it's so needed for women and I know it's helped me personally. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, share with your friends and help expand the conversation around women's health. 
If you'd like to learn more about fertility awareness, visit www.managingyourfertility.com for more information, resources, guides, and so much more.